Al. It's a note. <laughs> if you want the trophy, come to Johnson High at 8 tonight, alone, or the trophy dies. P.S. You stink. <laughs> Gee, honey, this must be someone who knows you. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a open? No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. And here are your hosts, Dan, Jamie, and Al. Yes, this is the episode I pulled the Let's Rock clip we use in the intro of every show. My name is Al, and, you know, if you guys think your life is bad, check out my best pair of socks. Whoa! Whoa! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, this is Jamie, and we're not going to lose Tara, are we? I'm afraid so. <laughs> and I'm Dan Chase. When it was over, they were only shouting one elephant's name. Dan, 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 Dan. Hmm. That is right. We are reviewing All Night Security, dude. Season 5, episode 16. The shoe store gives Al the boot, (laughs) so he takes a job as night security at Polk High School and comes face to face (laughs) with his school rival who wants to even the score. Director Jerry Cohen, writer Glenn Eichler, and Peter Gaffney. Season 5, Episode 16, original air date, February 24th, 1991. Four days after my birthday. Wow. Absolutely incredible. Special guest stars, Bubba Smith as Spare Tire Dixon. Dorit, not Dorito, Dorit Sawyer (laughs) returns as Trixie. Kyle Cody as Pizza Guy. Carol Gustafsson as Principal. Ted McGinley as Jefferson D. Arcee. Poor guy, still a special guest. I know, right? Yeah, that's... uh, Like Dan. (laughs) (laughs) So, all-night security dude, who remembers that? I do, I do. Yeah. Okay. What was it from, Jamie? Yeah, that was uh, one of the TV shows that Peggy was looking forward to when she was flipping through the TV guide in We'll Follow the Sun. It was the one with Eric Estrada. Oh, that one. Wouldn't that have been amazing if he somehow did a, a guest spot on that episode, on this episode? It would have, and I wouldn't be surprised if he did because, he, you know, he wasn't doing anything else at the time. Like, he was doing, uh, around this time, he was doing an, an Andy Sedaris movie here and there. I, he just, that would have been fantastic if they could have brought him in for something like that. Peg has a blank stare on her face while she's imagining she's marrying, guess who, once again. Mel Gibson. <laughs> yeah, that's twice in two episodes. Do you, Peggy Wanker, take this man to be your lawful wedded husband? I do. And do you, Mel Gibson, take Peggy Wanker? <laughs> oh, he does. He does, he does. <laughs> he wasn't doing dick at this time. <laughs> but he, he did two lethal weapons, so that's enough already. Hey, you'll never guess what happened at the shoe store today. Tongue caught in the shoe sizer again. <laughs> you civilians never realize what a highly sophisticated piece of equipment All that right, is. Tell me what happened. Well, you know that new aerobics center up above me? The one with the sign quarter ton discount? <laughs> well, today they played Van Halen's jump. <laughs>
And damned if the whole herd didn't. It was awful. The ceiling opened up, down they came, blocking out the sun. I experienced cellulite winter. God, the humongity. Hank, I could have been killed. Like, I would just love to see Al's reaction, though, <laughs> to that. Like, like, what would you give to see that scene go down? Oh, God. <laughs> I wish they had the budget. Well, I think you got what you deserved. Going by there every morning yelling, Is that a Milky Way on the floor? Hey, hey, hey. I was helping. They lost a lot more weight wrestling with each other for that imaginary candy than they did twisting the hammers, please don't hurt me. What Al meant to say, I guess Ed O'Neill, he got the letters crossed. The actual album he's talking about is MC Hammer's Please Don't Hurt Em. Mm-hmm. E-M, not M-E. That's uh, MC Hammer's third album. It was released in February 1990. It was, and that album was number one for 21 weeks in a row because you can't touch this was on. You know MC Hammer, right? What he's famous for besides that, it's that he went bankrupt in April of first 1996, and he he was worth like millions upon millions. And supposedly the reason he lost all of his money is because. He kept helping out every single friend who came out of the woodwork. Like, he got them all jobs as security guards. He let them all just stand on stage in the background and stuff and just do anything to make money. And he had all these people on payrolls all making, like, you know, 60 grand a year or whatever. And supposedly when he lost all his money, everybody just abandoned him. Like, they were (laughs) like, oh, well, well, he has nothing more to give me. So everyone he hooked up, they were just like, ah, F off. He has, he has nothing else to give me, so they all just split. So that was kind of a sad story about that guy. Yeah. He did something nice, you know? He still owes me money. <laughs> <laughs> he asked you for a loan? Mm-hmm. I told him, can't touch this. <laughs> you see this dollar? You can't touch this. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but now on to the sadder side of the news. The shoe store decided to lay me off while they fixed the ceiling. And as an added bonus, as long as the store is closed, I don't get paid. Oh, my God. Can the economy stand the hit? (laughs) Do you think that you can? The shoe store didn't give him the boot, as that description would have you believe. I wouldn't put it that way. (laughs) The best line that the audience didn't laugh at, I don't know if you guys laughed at it, I thought it was really funny. Anyway, don't worry. I told them that I might not be there when they call me back. And what did they say? Well, they said that they'd, they'd take their gamble. <laughs> <laughs> like, think of the implications of that. Right. No, loser. We're pretty sure you're not going to be doing anything with your life. You know, it's a sad thing, though. I always put myself in that position where, you know, like, if I'm not having a good day at work, I'm like, would these guys really, like, how would they react if I left? And sadly, Were you threatened to leave? Yeah, or? and sadly to say every job I've ever had, <laughs> they'd be like, I'm so replaceable. Right. And that's the thing. It's like. That's a sad thought. Sad reality. Yep. Is that we are all replaceable, man. Yep. Yeah, they don't care. Uh, so real quick, uh, this is Ed O'Neill's favorite episode, as I mentioned in the last show. Al Bundy himself. This is his favorite episode, and the ones he cherishes after that are, like, the ones where him and Jefferson get electrocuted when they're doing stuff on the house, and when they're falling off the roofs and dummies are falling down and stuff. He really likes that kind of stuff. So I found it odd that his favorite episode was so far into the show. Right. And then it became more outlandish and stuff. He actually enjoyed that more, I guess. Yeah, but I I think that makes sense, though, right? Because in a lot of ways, the show is peaking right now. Um, I can't speak to the later episodes just yet because, you know, obviously I haven't. You didn't memorize them like all that. Right, right. All I can do is judge it from what it is now. But Mm. at the same time, if it does kind of go downhill in a lot of ways or, you know, become more outlandish, like you said, it would make sense that a couple seasons in, you know, the the show really gains popularity. Um, It keeps gaining. And like I said, it, it almost reaches its peak here. And I think that this episode episode uh you know this is this is al bundy's episode through and through so it does make sense that he would he would like this yeah 
Yeah, as I was watching, I began to realize why he would have picked it, and I, I can see why he feels this way. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I can kind of see it, I guess, but it does seem a little random. Right. Right. Hmm. Oh, hi, kids. I'm afraid I have some bad news. I'm afraid the wacky, luxurious lifestyle we've become accustomed to is no longer. The Bundys of Bel Air are no more. <laughs> yes, Daddy's been laid off. <laughs> so that's an obvious fresh Prince of Bel Air joke. And that was a rich family. And now they're not rich anymore because Al lost his job for the time being. Well, we won't lose Tara, will we? <laughs> Oh, the irony of that statement. Right. Uh, Especially saying it in front of Peg. Right. And we're referring to Tara Knowles, obviously. But what was was Kelly referring to? Kelly was referencing one of my favorite movies, Gone with the Wind. Oh, nice. But we won't lose Tara, will we? Now, what happened in that movie? They all lost their money, and then Tara is something they also lost? Tara was the plantation that Scarlett O'Hara grew up on. Oh, (laughs) I didn't know that at all. uh, When the war came through, they managed to hold on to the plantation, but they owed taxes on it. And they were on the verge of losing Tara because they owed $300 in back taxes, and Scarlett managed to save Tara. Oh, Al. Surely you can see the humor in a man who makes no money saying he lost his job. We all know from the last episode. He makes $3.20 an hour. Yep. 128 a week, 6656 a year. Which, by the way, is $6.01 an hour today. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> well, if it's 40 hours a week, that's $240.40 per week. Mm. And $12,500.80 per year. It's something. Well, at least this time it's not just us. Everybody's feeling the pinch of this recession. Money's tight all over. Come see our matching BMWs. Well, they're not exactly matching. My license plate says love her. And mine says love him. (laughs) Now, why don't you get a license plate that tells the world how you feel? Because Kill Me was taken by your father. Excuse me, but if only to rub this in my father's face. Can you tell us how you can afford two major cars like those? Well, as anyone with a little bit of business savvy knows, these are the times that make millionaires. (laughs) And paupers. (laughs) Anyway, I I can't go into details, but through a little inside tip in the stock market, I'd say I made a penny or two. You made $60,000, you little honey puddle. <laughs> I did not. Did you? I did not. Did you? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I did. Is Because uh, I think we've all seen Wolf of Wall Street. Now, an inside tip on Wall Street, is that considered illegal? Are they implying that that, that was illegal? Yes. Yes. You cannot get inside tips. Okay. So yeah. my next point is Just that. Just ask Martha Stewart. <laughs> oh, exactly. snap. Now, why aren't they utilizing Jefferson more at this point? I mean, with his little—I uh, don't know—with his little lake scheme last time or whatever, he's making huge moves. He's not—he's not talking about you know twenty bucks to go to the store with meat with. Like we're talking right. about big moves here. I don't understand how how broke the Bundys are, how they don't see him as <laughs> as you know a way to make more money. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Well, my Al here made a penny or two. Literally. (laughs) Of course, his is coming from unemployment because he's lost his job. So do you think you could loan us a couple of bucks? You know, just enough to keep that Mary Kay lady from breaking my kneecaps? (laughs) I can do better than that. For as a wise man once said, if you want a man to eat, you don't hand him a fish, you teach him to be a fisherman. So what do you say, Al? You want to come down to my club and... Bus tables on fish night? Those fish probably came from that lake. Oh, yeah. The fish might have come from Lake Chickamacomica. So maybe they had three eyes like Blinky from The Simpsons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was not born to be a bus boy. I'm a shoe man, born and bred, damn it. 
And there's not a shoe store in this town that wouldn't pay a dollar and a quarter an hour to have the best. You hear my words. I will not let my family starve. I will not. We're already starving. Listen, Dad. There's something at the school that you just might be qualified for. What? Principal? Vice principal? Dean of boys? And the job Al is qualified for is an all-night security dude. When he's walking down the hall, that is the theme to Peter Gunn. Then he, it all hits him and he says, oh, God, this can't be happening. It can't be true. Did I really become the person I mocked my whole life? So I guess he mocked security guards uh, over shoe salesmen. Like when he walked past a shoe store, he didn't laugh at those guys when he was younger. Instead, he laughed at security guards. So Bud walks up with his tramp from dance show. Remember when Homer Simpson was? Uh, yeah. Yep. That's Trixie, the girl who says... I want to be fed before they go to um, some, I think, a Vanilla Ice concert or something weird like that. <laughs> so that's her. She's back for her second uh, and final appearance. She's the chick whose name was uh, Dorito <laughs> or whatever. That's Dorit Sawyer. Man, Bud must be insanely desperate. Like, the rules this girl lays out every time they're together, this time... Club. And remember our deal. We go, you pay. And if I don't find anybody cool, I'll come sit next to you for a while. She really likes him. I I I like it. I like him. <laughs> Dad, this girl really likes me. <laughs> Can I have some money? <laughs> Son, I know you see the uniform and you think uh, another millionaire working school security for kicks, but uh <laughs> Once I wore a different uniform, a prouder uniform. Once I roamed these halls like a king. Dad, please. Look at that trophy over there, son. <laughs> Hokai City Championship, 1966. I won that, baby. I still remember the day. Not the story. It was the last game of the year. Hokai versus Andrew Johnson High. Two great teams of equal strength. Dad, she's not wearing a bra. <laughs> Finally, we met on the field of battle. Came down to two great players. Yours truly. And a guy from Andrew Johnson High they called Spare Tire. Why, because he was fat? No, because he wore one with a chain around his neck. Like, it was like a spare wheelbarrow tire? Like, there's no way he had a, a car tire on his neck, right? <laughs> it had to be for a wheelbarrow or a bicycle. Right. <laughs> Anyhow, finally it came down to the final seconds. Scoreless game. We had the ball on the six-yard line. They said, give the ball to Bundy. Everyone knew I was getting it. Who won? Hatu! I got the ball, and I went through that line like Grandma through a herd of cattle. I was going for a sure six, when all of a sudden on the one-yard line loomed a spare tire. Waiting for me. We collided like two bull elephants. When it was over, they were shouting only one elephant's name. <laughs> Al Bundy. I scored, son. The winning touchdown. And son... That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. <laughs> you know, Dad, some say your knee was down before you crossed that goal. My knee was not down! <laughs> That's a dirty, stinking lie! <laughs> the victory was ours! Now, I got a question about that. Was there always a controversy of whether he actually made it in or not? Or is that just a... I got a film of the game. I studied it for about four <laughs> hours last night. And I know you did, too. 
<laughs> I, well, I looked at multiple angles, various slow motion techniques, uh, frame by frame. Right. And, and I zoomed in, I think, by uh, like 87 times actual the, the normal picture. And I believe a blade of grass might have grazed Al's knee, but he did not come in contact with the solid ground itself. Right. So I'm going to say that he did score that night. Now, did you did you do your preemptive work and look at high school football rules uh, during this time? I did everything. And the rules do state that just like now, if your knee is down before the ball passes over that field goal line, it is not. He would be down on, on where his knee made contact. Mm-hmm. Or actually where the ball was at the time even. Right. So even if it was ahead but it wasn't past the goal line, he would not have scored. Right. So I'm going to go ahead and say that he did score like he says. He has conviction in his words and he's right. Yep. Yep. Oh, I studied that tape endlessly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> people are probably going to ask us where this tape was. <laughs> now Al says that was the greatest moment, the greatest sport moment in all of history. So he's putting that above the night of his four touchdowns in a single game. Right, right. For the school, the championship. For me, all city and the legend. And then your mother. <laughs> the end. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> You know, my dad got like that. We shot him. You thought he was my father? Heck no, dad's his name. You know, like, uh, Pops the janitor? Dad the security guard? I'm telling you, he's not my father. Does the term sympathy feel mean anything to you? Al never gave Bud the money. So uh, he seems to have lost all hope with Trixie as she was never going to be seen from again. And uh, she wasn't going to give him a sympathy feel or anything like that. So it looks like um, Bud lost his only chance. Yep. Mm -hmm. Al says he went against Andrew Johnson High. So the two schools were named for the 11th James Polk, the 11th and 17th. Andrew Johnson, President of the United States. Mm-hmm. Al takes a break, heads to the boys' bathroom, and at exactly 9.46, the school gets looted by students, and Al's trophy is stolen. The next scene, we see some cashiering that is uh, generally with uh, military forces. It's a ritual dismissal of an individual from some position of responsibility for a breach of discipline. And that's when you, like, rip off those things on his shoulders and you rip off his badge and all that kind of stuff. You're basically, he's, he's, uh... Disgraced? Yeah, Al's disgraced. This is specifically a reference to the opening of the TV series Branded, which is about Jason McCourty, U.S. Army Cavalry captain dishonorably discharged after being accused of being a coward, which kind of reminds me, just in a little side note, kind of reminds me of Ravenous. Ravenous, oh yeah. Yeah. Everything from the song that they're playing down to the drummers and the buttons ripped off of his shirt parallels the opening of that show. And um, Al's nightstick being snapped in half by the principal is even a parody of Jason's sword being snapped. So it's like basically a beat for beat wow. replica of the beginning of that show. Mm. Yeah, it was good. I liked it. So, yeah, he's fired, needless to say. Um, Bud even has a bag on his head that says, I am not a Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> so, th- three days later, Al sulking, he still has his uniform on with his nightstick that's broken in half. Let's real quick talk about the principal who ripped everything off of Al. Her name was Carol Gustafon. She's known for Three Days of Condor, Corn Coronet Blue, The Practice, and Trilogy. She was uh, in the episode What Goes Around Came Around as the principal. Remember when uh, Tiffany Amber Thiessen was uh, tied up to the locker with the towel and Buck walks away pulling the towel off? How could we forget? 
Yeah, that she was the principal there too. So she actually reprised her role in this episode. Oh wow, nice. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty cool continuity. Yeah, so uh, but we'll never see her again. I guess uh, Bud will be graduating soon enough. So now there's something. There's a so, someone called Pizza Guy. Who was that? I don't know. Yeah, when you when you said that in the beginning of the show, I was racking my brain going, who the who ordered pizza? Like, I don't remember there being a pizza guy in this episode. That's on IMDb. Pizza guy. I thought maybe I just forgot something and my notes would remind me. I'm sorry, but the Merriment Children podcast is putting the IMDb little synopsis. It's a shame. Yeah, it's it's bad. Wow. Pizza guy. Now, am I am I wrong? There was there. I don't remember it. Okay. So if neither of you guys remember it and I don't remember it, then it clearly just didn't happen. I must find my bowl. No, honey, you do the best you can. It's just that it's dark at night and you get groggy. And Not I... that bowl, you winning ninny of a woman. <laughs> my championship bowl. If only I had a clue. Get that, will you, Peggy? <laughs> A knife gets stuck through the Bundy door with a – and then Al says, would you get that, Peg? Yeah, because that's really taking care of your woman, right? <laughs> if you want the trophy, come to Johnson High at 8 tonight, alone, or the trophy dies. P.S. You stink. So they must know him. Yep. He's a legend. Yep. Al and Peg almost shared a caring moment. I'm going after him, Peg. I might not be coming back. Oh, honey, please come back. You're worried about me, aren't you, babe? Of course I'm worried. Tomorrow's garbage day. I'm not getting up early tomorrow. Al turns on the light in the high school. The camera pans from the feet on up to spare tire Dixon. You. Now, is that who you guys thought would have stolen this thing? Absolutely, 100%. That's exactly how I pictured him in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> like to the T. Spare tire Dixon. <laughs> Why'd you do it? Why'd you steal my trophy? took it because it belongs to me. That was our championship. You never made it past that goal line. I dropped you like third period French. <laughs> Your knee was down. What's up? What's two? What's not? What's two? Not two. Not two. Wait a second. What were we talking about? <laughs> um, I no dinner. Took the bus. Come through the door. Damn car around the gas, the car. <laughs> oh, yeah. Trophy. trophy. The trophy you cheated me out of. Should have been mine, Bundy. Headline should have read, Spare tire crushes unidentified white man at goal line. Now let's get to spare tire Dixon. What do we have on him? Bubba Smith. Uh, well, Police Academy is what a lot of people will know him yes. from. But he was also uh, he was a, an actual professional football player. Wait, he was? Yes, Dan. He was an all-pro defensive lineman for the Baltimore Colts in the late 1960s and early 70s, while Ed O'Neill was a defensive lineman for Youngstown State University and was actually signed to the Pittsburgh Steelers before being cut during training camp in 1969. Now, Bubba Smith was the first overall draft pick of the 1967 NFL draft, and he was drafted by the Colts. I just know him as Hightower. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, does it, like did anybody even he, uh, know that Hightower was a football player? I had no idea. Even, well, back then, we knew, well, I guess you're a little younger, but back then we knew, when he was in police academy, we knew that he was actually a football player who was turning actor. Like, that was, uh, okay. that, that was a thing. But, um... How sad for Ed O'Neill. Can you imagine being signed to a to 
I was about to say major league. Can you imagine being signed to an NFL team? Right. And then being cut during training? How, how must, how many, Jesus, how much would that deflate your ego for one? Also, I'm sure you're making all these plans with the money that you're planning to make and then nothing. I mean, that is horrible. Well, yeah, but then you, you know, you become an actor and have a number one hit show where you're the lead. So, well, yeah, but he didn't know he was going to do that. And that was years later, too. That was 69, I guess he was cut. And this show took off in 87. Yes. That's depressing. Well, he says he was sort of okay with it because he didn't really enjoy hanging out with, like, the jock crowd. No. All right. Yeah, he wasn't into the meathead um, thing. I don't care if I want to hang out with you, but give me that paycheck. (laughs) Yeah, that's true, too. So Bubba Smith, he was in awe of the police academies, or at least up until six. And I I, I hope that's the last one. He was in MacGyver. He was in Family Matters, Silence of the Hams. He's going to come back to Married with Children in 1994 for an episode called Dud Bowl. And he's going to be Bubba Smith when he comes back. Oh, that's weird. So what do you guys think of the introduction of Spare Tire, the way they pan up to him like that? That's a great intro. Well, well he kind of has that intro in like like three or four times in the Police Academy series, too, where they just pan up to Hightower and then he just like launches someone. <laughs> uh, oh, maybe that was an homage to that. Then. Or maybe. flips over a car. Flips over a car. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I gotta get into the police academies. Believe it or not, I've never even seen one one of them. What? what? Oh my god! No. Oh my god! Okay, definitely watch the first one, and I say watch Citizens on Patrol. That is yes. one of, that is my absolute favorite one. But, I love Citizens on Patrol. Yep. What's um, that like? Four though. Four, I think. Yeah, yeah. But they're so good. I they love movies. They might be rebooting it sometime too. Well, I watched uh, The Naked Guns with O.J. Simpson, but never Police Academy with Bubba Smith. Yep. I was supposed to play college ball, but it never happened. You know why? You're too stupid? <laughs> no. It was because after that game, I fell into a deep depression. And I turned where too many kids before me turned to drown their sorrows. Pie. <laughs> Come trials, I could no longer get in a three-point stance unless there was a pie on the floor. (laughs) My career was over. You stole the glory that should have been mine. I had a little bit of glory, yeah, but you had pie, and I haven't eaten in 19 years. (laughs) I'd give you that trophy right now for a piece of pie. (laughs) So pardon me if I don't cry for you, Argentina. (laughs) But I sell women's shoes... And I'm they begin this pissing contest because Al's like, what are you complaining about? I haven't eaten in 19 years. <laughs> I'm assuming Al's basically trying to say the entire time he was married, although I'm not going to do the math. But in season one, it was 16 years. So mm-hmm. um, it's obviously more by season five. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> Then they have a, a contest, basically, like I said, a pissy contest about whose life was worse. They show pics of their mother-in-laws. They talk about their jobs. They show each other their socks, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, are horrible. Al, basically, his socks pretty much just cover his toes and the top of his foot. <laughs> I wonder if the uh, aliens would have taken those ones. Oh, maybe that's why those are his best socks, because the aliens took all the good ones. Exactly. <laughs> You couldn't get much fuel out of those ones he had on. <laughs> Jesus. They'd still be on Earth. Right? <laughs> now, step aside. Because I'm taking that trophy back where it belongs. To Pokai. And not for me, but for the children. So they can look at that trophy and know that they too can peak at 17. <laughs> much like we talked about how this... This episode is uh, during the peak of the show. Al peaked at 17 years old. I feel it. A lot of people do. (laughs) No, Jamie, you just get better and better. Your life gets better. Your situation gets better. Everything. Don't say that. (laughs) Look how old you were when you landed a spot on this show. This is your peak. 
Oh, I didn't even realize. Okay. That was all just practice to get to here and deliver these standout shows that are only worthy of such an amazing sitcom like this. Thank you. You can die happy now. I can. There you go. I guess you didn't know that. Thank God I'm here to explain your life to you. (laughs) 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 Because now it all makes sense. (laughs) Hey, guys. Want to represent the Married with Children podcast? Go to tpublic.com. T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C.com. Just go to the search bar and type in Married with Children podcast. They have everything you need to rep your favorite podcast tank tops, long sleeve shirts, baseball t-shirts, crew necks, hoodies. They even have these in kid sizes. Phone cases for all different styles and sizes. Laptop case, stickers, wall art, notebooks, mugs, pillows, tote bags, travel mugs, you name it. They got it all, guys. And for great prices, go to tpublic.com for all your Married with Children podcast representational needs. Give me my trophy. You want that trophy? Well, here's how you can get it. So Spare Tire draws a line on the floor. There's the line, Bundy. The only way you're taking this trophy is by getting past me. Throws Al the ball, and Al has to break through to take his trophy back. Come on, Bundy. On the count of three. Three. Let's rock. (laughs) Yeah, they're playing Chariots of Fire when he's trying to break through. That music, that... Yeah. And I kept getting distracted by that kitty on the wall behind him. There was a... Yeah, me too. There was a picture of a kitty on the bulletin board. I know. I saw that too. I kept looking at the kitty. (laughs) 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 And I was reading the signs around the hall too, because it was in slow motion. So I was kind of like, I had time to look around and read the signs, you know, and about how they're... Right. Wanted to impeach... They wanted... Johnson High to impeach Lincoln High, and that's because they were the impeachers, which is just a weird name for a football team, but it's because because Andrew Johnson was the first president to, and the only at the time of this air of the air date of the show, to have been impeached, and the, of course the high school was named after Andrew Johnson. <laughs> the impeachers. Yeah, which is just weird. But uh, incidentally, the second and only other president to have been impeached so far is Bill Clinton. But, you know, what's interesting is neither of them, they were both impeached, but neither of them were removed. Right. So um, I I remember Clinton not really being removed. Yeah, no, uh, neither of them were. I mean, I think Johnson was saved by one vote or something like that. A lot of people, and I would, I might even say most, I'm not sure, but I know a lot of people think that to impeach a president means that he's gone. Yeah, well, yeah, I think they do think that. Impeach the president, get him out of office. No, that does it not It just mean means that. you call a... Uh, yeah, well, there's like a, it's like a trial kind of. And right. after that, then it can be decided whether or not they will be removed from office. And then there's a vote to remove them from office. But impeachment does not imply that necessarily yeah, removed. I mean, as a matter of fact, the two presidents who have been impeached, neither of them were removed. So, you know, it doesn't guarantee anything, I guess is what I'm saying. Hmm. Yeah. Obviously he was uh, impeached because of Monica blue Klinsky. <laughs> <laughs> Physical violence ensues. Picks are exchanged of mother-in-law's. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is the perfect music during the struggle, too, uh, that they're playing that you mentioned. It really is perfect, and it's also perfect. I have to give uh, Jerry Cohen a lot of credit. Perfect slow-mo combo of how fast they were moving in real life and how it was filmed. Because they're obviously moving slow in real life also. And you could tell by the unnatural you know, way Al actually you know, lunges at him in the beginning and everything. But it's also truly in slow-mo as well. The combination of the two made for the perfect speed for this music and what's happening and what you could focus on and what you could see and the comedic elements to both because both these guys are you know great comedians obviously um and it really just it's very well done the whole thing really good and it's not boring for a second it all you know um all the exchanges are really good so al's knee almost goes down he perseveres gets back up and gets that ball over the line they both go down Al scores, so he's going to get his trophy back. But there's only one problem. What's that? They've fallen and they can't get up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they... uh, An old joke. Yeah, two old guys who exhausted their body. They gave it their all like they were 17 years old again. And now they're almost 47. They just can't do it like they used to. And they lay there in a very uh, awkward position for two men on a floor. Nice, nice hit, spare tire. We were two pretty good athletes back then, weren't we? Hey, we're still great athletes. I'm hurt real bad, you know. You too. I can't get up. Me neither. Sleepy time now? Oh, yes. And I guess when Bud goes to school the next day, that's where... Oh, no, no, that's the other high school, right? So it's not Bud's high school. Okay, never mind. Yes, thank goodness for him. Yeah. That's the school that they Al went against that, that night when he won. If this happened to you and you reclaimed the trophy, do you give it back to the school or do you keep it yourself? I guess you just put it right back where it always was. I'm kind of wondering if I might keep it myself because the school fired me so strong. Oh, I would totally keep that. Yeah, I'm not one. I would say, oh, well, it was stolen. What are you asking me for? I don't know where it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think... It's funny because you would actually think Al stole the trophy, right? Because why wouldn't they say, oh, yeah, suddenly you get a job here, security guard, and then the trophy you won is now missing? Like... Clearly, you want it, dude. You're holding on because you never made nothing to yourself. This is your big shining moment, and you wanted the trophy, you know? That makes sense. And I like how the moment where um, all the kids did uh, raid the school and they stole the trophy, I like (laughs) how uh, it was a throwback to the last episode in terms of where uh, Al was. (laughs) Oh, right, right. Back on the toilet. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I like when he grabs the newspaper, too. Yeah, exactly. The school newspaper. Right, right. He's going to see the lunch menu next week. <laughs> like, what could possibly be written in that school newspaper? Oh, my God. Uh, Bundy boy disgraced uh, one year ago today. You know, like when the, when uh, Heather McCoy pulled his underwear up on the rope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's, let's relive the historical moments. But uh, no, Jamie, the real answer is I would put it back in the display case because I want to be remembered by all. I want everyone to know what I did if I was Al Bundy. You know, that trophy is going to do me no good sitting in my basement or anything like that because that's the only thing that ever dawns on me when I think of if I ever had any greatness in life. So I already remember what I did. I'm known as a loser in the neighborhood, so if I could have one shining silver lining around my name, I want everyone who walks down that hallway to know who Al Bundy is and what he did in 1966. So it's going to sit there right in front of everybody, standing tall, with only one elephant's name on it, Al Bundy. MVP. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. 
Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Now they're available on the TV Time app. Go to your app store and type in TV Time. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Now Dan, Jamie, and Alex are going to give their final thoughts on this week's episode. All right. How many spare tires are we wearing around our chain around our neck for this episode, Dan? Um, I was very entertained with this episode. Um, I thought that a lot of the jokes were on point. Um, we, we always talk about, you know, obviously we love those episodes where Al is the man. And I think this is one of those episodes where, yeah, like... You, you think it can't get any worse for Al? Like he's not working at the at the shoe store anymore. He's not a shoe salesman. He's now a security guard. Like you see this heading in a certain way. But I did like the um, the spare tire aspect, the whole football angle again. I love it when they bring it back to all that stuff. Just you know, the legend of Al Bundy and how he explains it. He's like, oh, not the story again. Yeah. Like, I just I just love that aspect of the show. Like he's so proud of when he did peak when he. He was 17 you know yeah. and um yeah i just thought i thought seeing hightower was a um it definitely was great to see him i didn't expect it um one of those episodes where i did not look at imdb beforehand so when i did see it yeah that was a that was a cool surprise uh, yeah. and yeah and, and overall i just think it was a uh, a great episode i give this a 4.5 i wear four and a half tires around my neck Ooh, wow yep that's it's a lot. It is. I I like how they they did like you mentioned Al having another job. They kind of Homer Simpsoned him because right. you know Homer has had like fifty jobs already besides the nuclear technician, right? Or safety guy at the power plant. The way they did it here, Al was able to have another job only be, and they created a reason by having the uh, you know the studio collapse the ceiling of the shoe store. Yep. It was good that they were able to make that work, uh, him just getting a job for the meantime. So. Right. Yep. All right, Jamie, uh, how many spare tires are you wearing around the chain on your neck out of five for this episode? I'm going to wear four. I did really enjoy this episode, and you know how I feel about Al and his glory days and when he gets to <laughs> yeah. come out the winner in the end. It always means a lot to me, so... Yep. That's why it was also a pleasure to see Bubba Smith. I also did not realize he was going to be in this episode, so that was a surprise. Yeah. And I think it's kind of fun that they brought back Trixie. Right. Um, just randomly. Does she look any hotter this time or no? Still sloppy. Uh, well, she wasn't wearing a bra. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty hot. Also kind of sloppy. <laughs> yeah. Sloppier. Yeah, I don't know. I just think that's kind of random, but kind of cool. Yeah. I like the fact that Jefferson and Marcy were in this episode. They didn't need to be either, but I did like no, how they were but in. I just I like them being there. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, they didn't really further anything because it's not like Jefferson got out of the job. He offered a whole different job, a busboy. So basically, right. they were there just to say, "Hey, we're doing great," while you're doing absolutely nothing and even less than nothing. And that's it. Just rub it in their face and then move on. That seems yep. about right. Now, Jamie, who gets paid more, busboys or waitresses? <laughs> well, here's the thing. Um, I'm guessing you saw my post. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what do you mean? At my at my restaurant, busboys make a higher hourly wage and get tipped out 15% of everything that the servers make. Sometimes they get random tips from tables who feel sorry for them and don't think that they make enough money. (laughs) (laughs) Right? They don't make a ton of money, but usually busboy is a job for, like, teenagers anyway. Right. So, you know, they don't need a lot of money. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, there you go. Um, I am giving... 
all night security dude five spare oh, wow. tires out of five yeah i <clears throat> i always liked it growing up but this time i never really went online and ever figured out that this was ed o'neill's favorite episode until recently or anything so and i by the time i found out it was ed o'neill's favorite episode i haven't watched it since so watching it through that with those eyes I kind of like just saw things differently and realized how this really is a strong episode for a lot of reasons. Yeah. You got a lot of things that you love. We didn't get to the shoe store, but we got out talking about it, talking about fat women. So that's good to start off with the references he makes, Van Halen, MC Hammer, um, him losing, temporarily losing this job. Having to do another job, it's great to see Al in another element. The, the We go back to the sets of the high school, yep. which look different every single time we go to it. <laughs> they always you know, do a different part of the high school every time we go uh, there. Everything looked great with those other sets. It was believable. You got a great uh, casting in Bubba Smith to play Spare Tire. Yeah, I guess just the, the whole plot, you know, uh, Al's trophy getting stolen by... And Bud even, like, nonchalantly saying, you know, Dad, a lot of people think your knee was down. Like, you don't really think that's going to go anywhere. Right. You just think Al's going to just say, it was not down, blah, blah, blah. And then, look, it's the crux of the entire episode. Right. The guy who also thought it was down, who defended Al during this... I mean, and you got to say that the timing for this is incredible. <laughs> the same day that Al gets a job as a security guard, this guy somehow knows or something or decides to steal that trophy that night this and al also happens to talk about spare tire mm-hmm. on the same night he's there to Shows do up. it yeah it's almost like it was written <laughs> I, it really you couldn't write this stuff i mean actually you have to write this stuff because it wouldn't happen <laughs> so yeah pretty amazing but i'm just kidding i'm, I'm poking <laughs> joke holes through i don't really care poking, uh, poking holes and poke high yeah Poke, P-O, uh, that's a P-O-L-K, you know, like the president. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> the crescendo of the slow motion cross the line thing it is just so well done. The music, everything, Al getting it, and the fact the last punchline that they can't get up after all the exertion, great. <laughs> yep. This is a great Al Bundy episode. Yep, absolutely. Tune in next week when we review... Oldies, but young'uns. Al enlists his oldies expert, pal, Charlie, to help him to remember a favorite song from his past, while Charlie's son, Vinny, falls for Kelly. 